0: Hello and welcome to episode number 114 of the Agro Innovations podcast, all things related and debated in agriculture. I'm your host Frank Aragona. This episode of the podcast has been released onto our website agroinnovations.com/podcast on Monday, December 20th, 2010. On this episode of the Agro Innovations podcast, we are joined by Dr. Robert Dixon of the Imprint Foundation. Dr. Dixon has worked as a researcher and ecosystem restorer for several decades and is the inventor of land imprinting practices and technologies. Dr. Robert Dixon, welcome to the Agro Innovations Podcast. Oh, well, thank you. Well, let's start by uh, getting a feel for what imprinting exactly is. What is it, and why is it important? Well,
1: instead of row crop farming, uh, land imprinting is. Uh is checkerboard farming or square foot farming. Uh, Jeff Toll invented uh, row crop farming in, believe it or not, 1701, and, and we're still doing uh, row, row crop farming. Um, and, uh, and at least the row crop farming was better than broadcast seeding but it led to uh, water runoff, erosion, and weeds uh, needing uh, herbicide to control. Uh, Imprints are are V-shaped troughs that capture, uh, concentrate, and and deeply infiltrate uh, rainwater.
0: I want to ask you how and where imprinting was developed. Uh,
1: Imprinting uh, was developed, uh, actually it was invented in 1976 uh, uh, with uh, the experimental model being assembled in Tombstone, Arizona. Uh, This uh, this experimental model was based on 16 years of infiltration research that was conducted in four states at uh, Madison, Wisconsin, Sydney, Montana, Reno, Nevada, and Tombstone, Arizona. Uh, printing development began at the time uh, of the invention in 1976 and continued until the year 2000, and it was was developed in southern Arizona and California. And at, at, at 2000, uh, the the imprinting standards were established and were, were published.
0: What kind of results can someone expect to get with imprinting?
1: Well, you can expect seed germination, uh, seedling establishment, and rapid plant uh, growth with very little rainfall. Uh, in arid climates such as the Mojave Desert, which receives only uh 3 inches of annual uh, rainfall uh, with the rangeland drill you get nothing uh with that amount of rainfall you get nothing but a few annual weeds uh such as such as pigweeds and uh, and tumbleweed uh, with with imprinting there uh, there is uh no runoff and no erosion and and uh that, that is as there is with uh, with dr- uh, drilling.
0: Well, tell us about the imprinting machine. How does it work, and uh, who can build one? Can anybody build one? Is there a factory to build one? Can you tell us about this machine? Yeah,
1: the uh, an imprint is a very simple machine with with only a single moving part, the uh, the imprinting roller. It. It works by wedging out uh, V-shaped troughs in the soil surface, and these, v- these V-shaped troughs they capture, concentrate, and uh, deeply infiltrate rainwater. Uh, yes, any anybody can make one. Just uh, make a heavy-duty land roller, then then add the imprinting tooth angles. According to the, uh, the according to the specific, uh, specifications,
0: How, tell us a little bit about the process of imprint of imprinting. How is it performed? Okay,
1: uh, imprints are 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 V-shaped uh, troughs uh, wedged into the soil surface. As I said before, to capture, concentrate, and deeply infiltrate w- w- rainwater to, in turn. Germinate seeds, establish seedlings, and grow plants. Uh, this is a highly efficient way to use rainwater rather than letting it run off the soil surface or evaporate from the uh, from shallow infiltration. Uh, imprinting is a physical process uh, that triggers the the uh, biological process of, uh, of revegetation.
0: What are the costs associated with imprinting, and what is the potential return on investment?
1: A an imprinter that is uh, seven foot long can be made for for about ten thousand dollars, whereas the per, per acre cost of imprinting is uh, is about ten dollars. The the seed cost for production agriculture is another uh, ten dollars. Uh, uh, the increase in forage value from imprinting is several hundred uh, dollars uh, per acre uh, ranchers are also subsidized by the government for for conservation practices such as as imprinter uh, revegetation
0: in what types of environments is imprinting most suitable?
1: Uh, Imprinting is much uh, superior to drilling in both uh, semi-arid and arid climates. Uh, Imprinting is also superior in sloping lands of more humid regions where runoff and erosion occur under drill, seeding, or row cropping. Uh, Imprinting has been successful on slopes as as steep as one-to-one or Forty-five degrees. Uh, imprinting also works in uh, stony or gravelly soils, especially when uh, when the soils are moist. Uh, then this would be a place where the soils are uh, are are so uh, rocky that that uh, drills uh, cannot uh, function.
0: How difficult is it to learn and implement imprinting?
1: Learning and implementing uh, imprinting is not very difficult. Uh, uh, Check the website www.imprinting.org. And if you need additional information, email uh, info at uh, imprinting.org. As uh, stated previously, imprinters are simple machines that can be easily made and operated by uh, following uh, following the published specs uh, uh, given at the website.
0: So these specs are available for free to anyone to download and use as they like. Uh,
1: yes, in fact, uh, in the, in the, on the website there's a paper that was published in in Victoria, Canada, in 2003, and. It's a it's a PDF, um, uh, so you can uh, so you can get all the specs very quickly.
0: Is the machine integrated with seeders or biofertilizer applicators so that imprinting and seeding can be done in a single pass?
1: Uh, yes, uh, seeding has been done in several ways, each uh, of which requires just a a single pass to accomplish both uh, imprinting and seeding. The standard seeder is driven by the teeth of the imprinting roller and drops uh, seed onto the top of the roller. Uh, and then another method is an electric uh, broadcast seeder uh, which delivers seed to the front of the imprinter. And then another method is a a PTO uh, broadcast seeder or uh, cedar which actually spreads the seed in front of the imprinter.
0: Now, you have recently traveled to the Middle East to work with imprinting. Tell us about your experiences there. Well, uh, the
1: United Arab Emirates, or the UAE, is planning to do a massive uh, imprinting project to to revegetate thousands of acres of land uh, desertified by. Uh, Many years of overgrazing by sheep, goats, and, and camels. The climate uh, uh, there is about the same as the um, as the Mojave uh, Desert. Uh, we will we will actually be using an air imprint cedar uh, to do the seeding, and it is, it is manufactured in uh, Vienna, Austria. And the air imprint cedar will have the uh have the imprinter uh mounted on the back and it will be raised and lowered with uh and pushed into the soil with hydraulic uh cylinders.
0: Now is this land that's going to be used for agriculture or is this going to just be revegetated just via imprinting? What what is exactly going on with the project?
1: Uh the uh it, it will actually be both. It'll be It'll be used uh, for production agriculture and and also for, uh, in some cases, for ecological restoration or, or some uh, some combinations of the of the two.
0: What are some of the obstacles you have faced in promoting and transferring this technology? Uh, since uh, since 1980,
1: we have been we have revegetated over. On 100,000 acres of degraded land in in the southern parts of Arizona and California, without uh, using a single pound of herbicides. Uh, thus, uh, herbicide companies from day one have sought to demonize imprinting by uh, by pushing the argument that the process. Compacts the soil so much that nothing will grow. Uh, first, it was Eli Lilly, then then Dow Chemical, and at the present time, uh, it's uh, Monsanto.
0: So, but it seems like this would be something that would be pretty easy to verify experimentally, especially since you've done it on so many uh, different areas. I mean, isn't there solid evidence suggesting that it doesn't compact the soil?
1: Uh, yes, in fact, it it only uh, it only firms the soil enough to uh, get good soil seed contact, so that you get good capillary flow of uh, uh, moisture to the seed. Uh, but you uh, know, you know, you know, when these multi-million, multi-billion dollar companies uh, uh, have a competitor, they uh, they do their best to uh, to to. Uh, uh, demonize a competitor and they, and they p- probably will will keep doing it uh, forevermore unless uh, unless they decide to start imprinting maybe maybe Monsanto will will take up the idea of imprinting who knows
0: well it doesn't seem like imprinting is something that will be uh, compatible with Monsanto's business model let's say um let's talk about imprinting as being part of a regenerative economy maybe people could build the machines and do imprintings locally uh, it seems like in some areas this has already happened
1: uh, yes um actually there were two local ranchers ralph wilson and and don martin up near catalina and oracle uh, arizona that learned about imprinting in the late 70s uh, from a newspaper article and they appeared at my office door to learn more about uh about uh uh imprinters and then they very quickly built their own imprinters to to revegetate their degraded rangeland. And I I actually included that in my ten success stories in the, on the website so so if you wanna see pictures of the of the results again, just check the uh, check the website, and um, well, anyway, currently I'm thinking about transferring imprinting technology to uh, to production agriculture to grow row crops uh, without the rows to stop uh, uh, without any rows uh, to stop uh, runoff erosion and the use of herbicides. Again, this will make uh, uh, Monsanto very unhappy, I. but I do want to grow uh, fuel crops uh, uh, such, such as switchgrass. As
0: um, what can we do to accelerate the process of uh, the development of imprinting and, and the transfer of the technology?
1: Well, the first thing we can do is talk. Talk about the millions of jobs it will create, and that imprinting can produce an alternative uh, source of clean fuel without using cropland. Uh, talk talk about how imprinted switchgrass can rebuild topsoil uh, while capturing atmospheric uh, carbon dioxide to to moderate climate change. Uh, Rebuilding soils is the is really the most important infrastructure that needs uh, to be fixed. This is far more important than than uh, roads, bridges, waterways, and airports. In fact, there's there's degraded topsoils around the whole world that are so degraded that uh, that they've uh, that that they've been essentially abandoned. that uh, goes as far as that goes as far as farmland and also rangelands are concerned at least in the United States
0: okay well i wonder um with this technology it's obviously a really great technology and i wonder um how the irrigation integrates with imprinting i mean how do you get the water if your surface irrigated to move across the surface, I mean that's one of the advantages of row cropping, right? Oh, right.
1: Yeah, they uh, be, would be the
0: would be running running
1: water down down the rows, or uh, it, it would uh, in order to in order to irrigate it would have to be. I think we'd have to use a uh, sprinkler irrigations uh, such as this uh, whole center center pivot irrigation and. And of course, they can uh, they can drop the sprinkler tubes down so that, so, so that uh, a minimal amount of water actually evaporates. But it, but it would it would work very well under under sprinkler irrigations, just like uh, just like rainfall.
0: Okay, and what about um, the frequency of having to imprint? Is it something that you just do once? Or is it something you do every five years or every three years? Can you talk about that?
1: Uh yes, in the case of in the case of ecological restoration, it's uh, it's something that you do only once. Um, we we restored an area up on the Continental Ranch or along the uh, along the floodplain uh, in. Um, let's see, this was 1978 and and the vegetation is, is still flourishing in fact there's uh there's, there's a more diverse ecosystem now than there used to be because it keeps getting uh, uh more diverse as as more seeds uh, blow in or, or wash in so so with um, uh with ecological restoration you only have to do it once uh, uh with uh production agriculture <clears throat> Uh, you could uh, you could do it uh, uh several times, maybe a couple of times a year, you could even uh especially if you had a rotation or you had a uh winter cover crop uh like uh like ryegrass or uh, or or legume uh this hairy vetch and then you and you could go from the legume uh, hairy vetch to uh, corn that you would would imprint in the springtime, but I think it would be very well adapted to um, uh, to rotations because of the fact that the the uh, moisture in the soil tends to build up over over the years because because the water infiltrates very deeply and if and of course you don't lose any water by runoff or and very little by surface evaporation.
0: So I think it would
1: work very well with uh, with with rotations.
0: Are you familiar with the work of p a Yeomans and the keyline um, system of design?
1: Ah uh, yes, I, I remember reading about that uh, years ago. Well, that uh, will... I'm, also, I'm also familiar with bill mollison and and permaculture. Uh, are you familiar with bill uh, Bill mollison?
0: Right, he was featured on uh, episode number oh eighteen of the podcast. So he You're has. Right,
1: they they even did a little segment on land imprinting, since uh, since land imprinting is considered to be water water harvesting.
0: Well, I wonder how land imprinting might integrate with something like keyline design or keyline plowing. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think.
1: Uh yeah if 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 the key lines could 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 dump the water into the imprints, I think that would work.
0: <laughs> okay. Um let's talk a little bit about this machine. I mean, one of the things that uh, I'd like to see is this machine being used by a lot more people and it being built by a lot more people. Do you have any thoughts about uh, how we can incentivize people to build these machines or what it's going to take to get these imprinting machines working on the landscape um, all across the countryside and maybe even all across the world. Well, this
1: uh, this manufacturer uh, who is um, who who builds um, uh, farm equipment in Vienna, Austria. Uh, he he is uh, he's very good and he's uh, of course he's he developed this uh, imprinter. Air Seeder, and where where he's combined the two, and so so I think I'm going to try to interest him in in uh, using imprinting for production agriculture, and and he's uh, in fact uh, there there is a sufficiently large company that that uh, they could they could build these imprinters and, and with the air seeders and ship them all, all over the world and. And maybe this is something that would would in the end stimulate more interest so that more people would go back to to making uh, making imprinters of their own. Because the imprinters of course are very very easy to make and and uh, but but again it's it's just the fact that you've gotta you've gotta continue to uh, stimulate the, the interest in the project and I I always remember uh, the case of uh of xerox where they where they invented a, a photocopier and they they couldn't they couldn't sell a single photocopier and it took took them 50 years to get this off the ground because people said what do we need a photocopier for we can, we can make carbon copies uh uh we can we we can do all sorts of things, uh, and we don't we don't need a uh, photocopier. So uh, that's just a good example of how long it takes to get something introduced.
0: So tell us about e-
1: even by uh, even even by a co- big company like Xerox.
0: How does it work if somebody wants to build a, an imprinter? Do they have to pay a royalty for the intellectual property, or is uh? Or is that just free for anyone that wants to use it? I mean, how have you approached that aspect of it?
1: Yeah, this is perfectly free. I, uh, I of course, I, I invented the imprinter when I was working for the government, and at that time it was just considered uh, the invention was considered to be government property. So, in other words, I've, I'm, I'm in service to the uh, to the taxpayers and. And this is essentially the same way it is today. I've always, um, I've always felt like I was in service to the taxpayers. If you, if you want to find a socialist, I'm, I'm the best you'll ever find, a, a liberal socialist.
0: Well, okay, um, is there anything, Dr. Dixon, that um, you'd like to add about this imprinting process or? maybe even anything uh outside of imprinting that uh you'd like to share with our listeners. Well,
1: let's see. Uh I think uh I think the main thing is is that it uh is it, is that there's just all kinds of uh of ways that can be uh developed uh, from from here on out. Like I said, uh you can you can do all kinds of rotations and and all kinds of cover crops. Uh, in the case in the case of growing fuel crops, it'll it'll grow uh, switchgrass, and you can and you can tinge, continue to suck CO2 out of the atm- atmosphere by uh, planting a cover crop uh, during the winter time. Of course, switchgrass is a warm season perennial, but you can you can over overtop that with a uh, uh, cover crop such as annual ryegrass or um, or uh, hairy hairy vetch or some other leguminous crop, and um, so as to keep up the nitrogen level. And so there's a, there's just an endless number of approaches that can be can be taken. And and basically, what happens is the reason you don't have to use herbicides is the fact that you very quickly cover the Cover the land. You very quickly cover the land with corn, and so, so, so the the weeds won't grow in the shade. And so you so you very quickly get a cover of corn with with, with no weeds. And of course, if you're doing a little bit of a rotation, uh, that always helps to uh, to control weeds as well.
0: Okay. Well, on that note, Dr. Robert Dixon of the Imprint Foundation. I'd like to thank you uh, for all the work that you've done through the years, the research that you've done and the innovation that you've done in developing this imprinter, but obviously not just stopping there. You've uh, obviously worked so hard in doing actual ecosystem restoration and demonstrating results and also getting the word out about this technology, offering it up uh, for free to the public. I would personally like to commend you for that. Um, And I think... um, My listeners also will be very appreciative of the work that you've done. So thank you very much, Dr. Robert Dixon.
1: Okay, and thank you.
0: That concludes my interview with Dr. Robert Dixon of the Imprinting Foundation. You may have noticed that some of the things that Dr. Dixon is talking about through the course of the interview are somewhat visual, as can sometimes be the case with the things that we talk about in this podcast. Fortunately, Dr. Dixon has a a great website with a lot of photos. If you type the Land Imprinting Foundation into Google, that will surely be the first thing to come up. Or you can visit the show notes for this episode of the Agro Innovations Podcast, where I have a link to the Land Imprinting Foundation website. Well, we are wrapping up the year 2010. Uh... And I'd like to thank the listeners for continuing to support the podcast by sharing your comments. Uh, A lot of people have friended me on Facebook this year. If you do want to friend me on Facebook, please let me know who you are, that you're a listener to the podcast. I always appreciate that. I I often won't uh, respond to a friend request if I don't know who you are. So please uh, be sure to do that. The listenership for the podcast has grown quite a bit in this past year and I attribute that uh, as much to the listeners as to the work that I do. I'm sure that uh, you tell people that you know, uh, friends, family, colleagues, about the Agro Innovations podcast, and uh, that's great, and I hope that you continue to do so. You also are often giving me show ideas and suggestions, and I appreciate that very much. Um, A lot of the show ideas and suggestions have not appeared because either the people who I've contacted have not responded, or I have just not gotten around to contacting those people yet. So um, if you did suggest a show and you really want to see that show get on the air, please don't uh, hesitate to contact me again and remind me. I do have a lot on my plate, and um, the podcast is not the first order of priority in my life or my professional career. So um, it's always good to have a reminder from time to time. I've had a very busy end of 2010 and so that's why I've been skipping some weeks on the podcast. I have just not had the time that I need to, or the energy for that matter to kind of put things together in short order and and get these podcasts out even though I have had some interviews waiting in the wings to do so. Now I believe that we will have one more episode of the Agro Innovations podcast for this 2010. Um and that will be an episode on CAFOs, the Confined Animal Feeding Operations. Very uh, difficult subject to talk about, but I think worthwhile to raise our awareness about how we as a society and a culture are treating animals. So I would encourage you to tune in next week for the Innovations podcast as uh, we talk about CAFOs, or uh, what are often known as feedlots. Well, I get a lot of great feedback from listeners to the podcast saying that a particular episode was especially useful to them in their garden or on their farm. I've had people get in touch with me uh, saying that they are now using a certain technology or practice in their garden or on their farm because of the Agro Innovations podcast. So uh, that is very encouraging. And I think in the future, moving forward, one of the things that uh, I would like to do is perhaps try to reach out to some of these low power FM radio stations, maybe even put uh, a whole series of the Agro Innovations podcast on a DVD and give these low power FM stations access to something that they might not have had access to, maybe some programming that they can share with their listeners. If anybody out there has any thoughts on how to reach some of these low power FM, Radio station managers, or if you are a low power radio FM manager or know someone who is, uh, who would be interested in putting the Agro Innovations podcast either weekly or perhaps um, they would just be interested in putting maybe a few shows out there. I'm open to anything, and um, hopefully that will materialize here in 2011. Well, as we wrap up here, I'd like to wish you all a very happy holiday season, a Merry Christmas, whatever it is that you do during this time of the year. If you're just sitting back and resting, I know a lot of us are gardeners, and uh, we don't have too much to do with the garden. I do have some season-extending technologies that I apply in my own gardening, so I do have, uh, always have a few plants going here and there, but um, it's certainly not the to- the busy time of the year for the gardener, so... Uh, Maybe a lot of people are just sitting back and relaxing and uh, drinking some wine or some beer or what have you and enjoying some meals with family and friends, and uh, hopefully you will do that this year. I know that a lot of things are getting difficult out there for people in terms of the economy and um, the political situation of the United States is increasingly unstable, but... It seems like a lot of people in the permaculture community are continuing to do the great work that they are doing. And uh, we are a bright, shining light for the future. So let's continue to do what we're doing and hope that we can reach as many people as we possibly can now and into the future. I'd like to wish you all a Happy New Year, and I will do so again next week on the Agro Innovations podcast. A reminder that this and all episodes of the podcast are released under a Creative Commons attribution share alike 3.0 license. To learn more about that, you can visit creativecommons.org. And that means that you can use this podcast and all previous episodes in any way that you see fit, provided that uh, you attribute credit to the Agro Innovations podcast and that you use a similar license in your release. This is the Agro Innovations Podcast. I'm your host, Frank Aragona. Until next time, saludos.